Welcome to the 34 Circes Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome back, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel, and I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. Thank you for joining. Uh, we're going to be doing Classical Studies 101. We're doing the Odyssey. It's just a fun journey, and it continues, um, all puns intended. And we'll be doing Chapter 9. But as always, if you would be so kind as to leave a lovely comment or a high rating on whatever podcast platform you are using to listen to us, it would be really appreciated. And so without further ado, let's get going on chapter nine. And if we're going to get going on chapter nine, we have to bring in, we have to include the one, the only Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Hi. Well, Gary, we are at chapter nine. So, um, Give the listener a little background of Chapter 8, and let's get going on the next one. Well, Chapter 8 was all about uh, preparations for Odysseus to tell the king. Uh, Alkenowus uh, relate uh, all his story of where he's been up until the time he met the king. Uh, and as I said before, it, it had uh, – a great element of Odysseus participating in uh, so-called games, which I think inspired the Olympic Games. Uh, Homer inspired the Olympic Games with that. Um, and so he he takes his bath, he's had his meal, whatever. And so finally in ch- Chapter 9, he's ready to tell his story. Okay, so he's about to tell his story of his journey, what he's gone through, correct? Yes. Okay, and, that'll be that'll be and, uh, exciting for everyone. And I, I, there's a lot of uh, references to the uh, sacred numbers I keep telling uh, the listeners about. Um, we have the sacred number system that uh, Gary has talked about on a prior podcast. I would highly recommend everyone look for that episode on the sacred symbolic number system, Gary's theory on uh, numbers in Homer. And what they, what relevance and meaning that they have. <clears throat> so, anyhow, um, part of the chapter uh, relates the, the first two places that Odysseus went to, and most of the chapter is about the third place he goes to, which is <clears throat> his encounter with this giant, one-eyed giant, uh, the Cyclops. And in fact, uh, Robert Fagelson's translation, I keep uh, mentioning that I'm referencing because it's highly readable, uh, entitles the chapter, In the One-Eyed Giant's Cave. What I think is interesting is that Homer decides to tell the story through Odysseus telling the story himself. Yes. It's it's an interesting choice. Yes. And part of the sophistication of the uh, Odyssey, I would say. And so uh, it starts off, um, uh, you know, this is Homer speaking. Odysseus, the great teller of tales, launched out on a story. And then uh, 
he's quoted, you know, speaking to Alkenowus, the uh, the king of Sharia Island, and and it was his last stop, the twelfth stop on uh, sacred number twelve on his way home. And so it says, Alkenowus, Majesty, shining among your island people. What a fine thing it is to listen to such a bard, because they've been listening to a bard or a person who plays a lyre and, and sings or you know relates uh, great epics and about heroes and so on. What a fine thing it is to listen to such a bard as we have here. The man sings like a god, the crown of life, I'd say. There's nothing better than when deep joy holds sway throughout the realm and banqueters up and down the Palestinian ranks, enthralled to hear the bard and perform them all the tables heaped with bread and meats, and drawing wine from the mixing bowl. The steward makes his rounds and keeps the wine cups flowing. This, to my mind, is the best that life can offer. And so now he launches into it. But now you're, you're set on probing the bitter pains I've borne. So I'm to weep and grieve, it seems, still more. Well then, what shall I go through first? And... Uh, what shall I say for last, and so on. Uh, and then he launches into a, a very important uh, part of the Odyssey for me, because he says, so he finally tells him who he is. I am Odysseus, son of Laertes, known to the world for every kind of craft. So Odysseus has an ego and he doesn't mind relating it, Okay. Yeah, we see that. It's interesting. We see that throughout, you know, it, it comes through. It's an interesting aspect of the character. Like you talk about both these characters in the Iliad, they're very human. They're not just these single faceted individuals. They have all these different aspects to them, and some are good and some are bad. And I think that's yeah. what makes them very real. They're not, they're not cardboard characters. They're, they're very real. And Odysseus is very real. So anyhow, he says, I am uh, Odysseus, son of Laertes, known to the world for every kind of craft. My fame has reached the skies. How about that? He says, sunny Ithaca, meaning his island. Sunny Ithaca is my home. Atop her stands our sea mark, mountain aratons, leafy ridges, shimmering in the wind. Around her, a ring of islands circles side by side. Dolichion, Same, and wooded Zakynthos too. But mine lies low and far, low and away, the farthest out to sea, rearing unto the western dusk, while the others face the east in breaking day. So this is very important for research I uh, actually have conducted in Greece, because I've been searching for the Palace of Odysseus and, and the real Ithaca Island. And the island that the uh, Greeks identify as Ithaca today doesn't match that passage. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that to me. It's it's interesting that others have not noted what you noted right in the Odyssey itself. It gives a description. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, um, uh, Zakynthos uh, is actually... Uh, you know, to the south, but, uh, you know, as, as uh, this is a saying, a bit to the east. And then Same uh, is, I, I think, on, uh, you know, uh, on this major island, you know, uh, that's not called Same. 
Um, and uh, that's where I think uh, the the island really lies. You know, it's on a uh, it's on an isthmus called Paliki of this major island. You know, and uh, <clears throat> but uh, an island that's not called Same Delikion or uh, Zakynthos. And and basically, modern day Ithaca's easternmost of those islands, and not westernmost. Mm-hmm. You know, as he's saying here, you know. Why do you think, and not to go off on a tangent, why do you think scholars have overlooked this information in the passage when it comes to looking for um, the Palace of Odysseus? Well, uh, because for some reason, classical Greece identified that island as uh, Ithaca, the one they call Ithaki or Ithaca today. And uh, so. So they so even in the classical era they called that Ithaca, but you're saying in this earlier era, based on what you see, that could not have been Ithaca. Okay. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh so where I've been working is um you know, it's it's an isthmus, but uh there was a book published in two thousand five by Cambridge University Press that made the the case that uh the isthmus I'm working on was a separate island. Now, some people dispute that, but uh, I think it could well be. And I found a Bronze Age site that may well be the palace. I just haven't had it. I've done some uh, ground penetrating radar on it, but I haven't been able to, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, excavate there to verify if it is a palace or not. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Homer mentioned specific uh, architectural features. Uh, in the palace that would make it identifiable as the distinctive palace of Odysseus. So anyhow. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to get back to that uh, search uh, as the world continues to open up and as we get back to some semblance of of ease of travel and interaction. Let's hope that happens, uh, continues to happen, because in some places it seems to be calming down. But there are still issues throughout the world with this pandemic. Let's hope it all goes away very soon. Yeah, it's due. <clears throat> okay. Um, so anyhow, uh, he goes on to uh, relate, uh, you know, that uh, that he had uh, encounters with Calypso, the lustrous goddess tried to hold me back deep in her arching caverns, craving me for a husband. And so did Circe, I'll get back to her, holding me just as warmly in her halls, the bewitching queen of Aia. Aia. That's our matron goddess, so we have to give her a shout out. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, anyhow, then he uh, catches himself and, uh, uh, I mean, King O'Kenos is talking, uh, you know, come. No, I mean, it's Odysseus, excuse me. He says, come, let me tell you about the voyage fraught with hardship Zeus inflicted on me, homeward bound from Troy. So here's the first place he went to. He says, the wind drove me out from, uh, interestingly, Vago uh, says, Ilium, it's Ilios, meaning Troy, uh, onto uh, Ismarus. And uh, Ismarus is at the top of the Aegean Sea on the coast. And it was uh, an ally of Troy and uh, belonged to a people called the Sicones or Cacones. Mm-hmm. 
And so Odysseus, uh, because of that, Odysseus uh, sacks the city. He attacks the city with his men. And he, you know, it's fair game, you know. So here Odysseus is acting like a pirate, okay? And so he sacked the city, killed the men. But as for the wives and plunder, that rich hall we dragged away from the place, we shared it around. In other words, he took the women as slaves. And whatever, you know, valuables he, he could uh, muster. Yeah, this has been a recurrent theme. We've talked about the the kind of enslavement of women, this kind of abduction of women. It was a very patriarchal era. And on our sister podcast, Make Matriarchy Great Again, we talk about some pre-existing matriarchies and some theories that I have and some others have that there were strong matriarchal, this is particularly Maria Gambudis and Vicky Noble have uh, promoted this just to give a proper shout out. But there were these strong matriarchal civilizations that predated some of the, the ancient Greek ones. And so you get this clash of cultures at time. Anyway, back to the story. Yeah. And then he says, um, so after they took the women and took the plunder, Odysseus wants to tell him to, quote, cut and run and set sail. But would they listen? And here, you know, his crews don't always obey him, you know, and it says, uh, no, not those mutinous fools. So he's saying as men behave like fools, they want to linger, you know, and they want to remain on the beach and drink wine and celebrate and stuff like that. And in the meantime, the Sukonis that they defeated called on their Sukonis to come and help them. And they came, quote, with larger force and stronger soldiers too, and skilled men, fighting men from chariots came against us. They battled with us against our ships and so on. And so they managed to, and here's a, a sacred number comes in, or a half the sacred number 12, says, out of each ship, six men at arms were killed. And... Uh, by the way, the uh, island that uh, I've been working on, uh, just go back for a second, it's called Kefalonia. It's called Kefalonia today, but uh, I think um, it was two islands. One, Ithaca, it was a separate island, and then Same. And there's actually a town called Same and a bay of Same, which I think are remnants of the original island, that the island was called Same. Anyhow, getting back to, to uh, Ismarus and uh their battle with the Sukonis. So they killed six men of each ship. And, uh, and six is half of 12. So apparently, you know, the sacred numbers can be halved or doubled or whatever, you know, in, in the numeric system. And then the second place they go to, he says, from there we sailed on, glad to escape our death, yet sick at heart for our dear companions we had lost. We raised a triple cry, Number three, which is a sacred number, represents, I, I believe it represents the three main gods, Zeus, the king of the gods, uh, you know, <clears throat> Poseidon, the king of the sea, and Hades, the king of the underworld of the dead. Yeah, three obviously shows up in a lot of world mythology, but in particular, so in this case, you have three gods, and we often associate it with the triple goddess. So uh, that becomes something that's... Uh, Certainly, uh, you know, it becomes a question of, is it another example of patriarchy replacing matriarchy and that kind of thing? Yeah. So anyhow, uh, his crew raised a triple cry, uh, number three. 
Right, as we, as we were saying, talking about the triple gods and the triple goddesses. Okay. So now as you're sailing away, uh, Zeus uh, hits the fleet with a, a big storm. And Zeus has an end for Odysseus, you know. So for two nights and, and two days, you know, the storm is raging against them. And so on. So they, they pass by Cape Balia, that's on the south side of, of Greece, and drove past an island called uh, Kithera and so on. And nine whole days, they sail on, and with nine being another sacred number, like there's the nine muses of creative inspiration, you know. And on the 10th, and 10th is another sacred number, 10 years to sail home from the Trojan War. I mean, uh, to fight the Trojan War in 10 years, it takes them to sail home from the Trojan War. So it's a sacred mm-hmm. number. Um, they, he finally reaches the land of the Lotus Eaters. And, uh, the, and that's on North Africa. And uh, did you uh, did you I believe said it was was it Tunisia where you said it was? I, I think it's Tunisia, but uh, you know okay. we don't know for sure. But it, uh, consensus seems to be that it's Tunisia. Okay. And uh, so anyhow, um, his his men encounters these uh, lotus eaters, and uh, he says uh, they had no notion of killing my companions, not at all. They simply gave them lotus to taste. And, uh, you know, there's a lotus flower, but there's also a fruit apparently with it, or at least that's what Homer says. It says, any crewman who ate the lotus, a honey-sweet fruit, lost all desire to uh, return home. And it made you forget all your worries, and you just wanted to stay there and, you know, <clears throat> like be drugged all the time. Do we have any idea what, I mean, is, I don't know anything about this kind of lotus fruit. Is it? This kind of soporific drug is it? This kind I, of I, I, I'm know, not aware of it either. Yeah, it's an interesting to, to to try to determine what this was. I think there's been very speculation on what it was, but uh, you know, nothing you know absolute. Okay. So anyhow, Odysseus didn't eat the flu- a fruit, and so uh, you know he wants to get his crew back to his ship and sail on. So it says, but I brought them back back to the hollow ships and streaming tears. I forced them, hauled them from the rowing to the rowing benches, lashed them fast and shouted out commands and so on. And so he tells them to, uh, you know, start rowing and get the hell out of there basically, you know? So then they go on and he said, uh, our spirits now were low and a low ebb and so on. And we reached the land of the high and mighty Cyclops. Uh, I wonder if, you know, we have that phrase high and mighty. And uh, and if that's an accurate translation, maybe this is the origin of that phrase high and mighty, you know. Mm-hmm. And usually we re- reference a egotistical person who's high and mighty today, you know. But anyhow, the land of the mighty Cyclops, lawless brutes, who never have to plant, all seems to grow for them because their island teems with uh, wheat, barley, and vines, and so on. They're blessed by the rains of Zeus, and so on. Uh, they live in arching caverns, and so on. So, um, 
the island has lots of goats and sheep on it, apparently, and that's what the Cyclops herd, and they uh, they eat them and so on. Um, and so they they find a, a, a deep water harbor, and that's where they uh, you know doctor boats, and it says here we landed and so on. And then we fell asleep. You know, they're always falling asleep all the time. It's hard work. <laughs> it's it's hard work running running for your life or trying to get home, I suppose. Apparently. And then he says, and here's a, um, you know, number 12. He says, uh, a dozen vessels sailed under my command. And to each crew, nine goats were shared out. So they... Uh, uh, but his ship, he took one more, 10, a sacred number. So here you have 12, 9, and 10 being repeated. And now we stared across the Cyclops Island, and we could see their smoke and hear their voices. I called a muster. Uh, he mustered the men, you know, <clears throat> calling them together. And so he, he takes some of them, but he tells the rest of them to stay there and so on. He said, I'm going to cross over there and see what knaves are living there. Who are they? Violence, savage, lawless, or friendly to strangers, God-fearing men, you know. Um, and so they, uh, they they walk across there. And he says, I picked out a dozen of my finest fighters. So he takes 12 men, again, the sacred number 12. He takes 12 men with him to uh, meet up with the Cyclops. And I took a skin of wine along. And so off they march, and um, and with a sudden foreboding, they finally make their way to a, a cave, and they go inside the cave, and are gazing wide-eyed at it all, large uh, racks loaded with drying cheeses, and uh, folds, I mean meaning pens, with uh, young lambs and kids, goat kids. And, uh, and then there's... Uh, Vessels, pails, uh, you know, brimming with milk and whey, you know. And so he tells them to hurry, take what they can, you know, steal from the cave and get out of there, you know, because he, he has a foreboding of the danger involved, you know. But no, they build a fire and they, you know, they hang on there and so on. They waited for uh, the owner's return. And then it says, and back he came from pasture herding his flocks home, lugging a huge load. He flung them down the cave with a jolting crash. We scuttled in panic into the de deepest, dark recesses of the cave. Then to close the door, the door of the cave, he hoisted a tremendous, massive slab of stone. No 22 wagons could move such a stone. So it's an immense stone. And then as soon as... Um, he does that, and he finishes all his chores, milking his uh, goats and so on. He lit his fire, and then he saw the the little men, you know, and he yells out, this, this is my Cyclops voice. <laughs> so, strangers, he thundered out, now who are you? Where did you sail from? Over the running. Over the running. Give me applause for your Cyclops voice. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Gary. Go ahead. Out on a trading spree or roving the waves like pirates, sea wolves, 
the risk their lives to plunder other men. And then it says, uh, our hearts shook, terrified by his rumbling voice and monstrous bulk. Nevertheless, I found the nerve to answer firmly. Uh, we are men of, of Achaia, meaning uh, Greece. We are bound and bound now from Troy, driven far off our course by warring winds. So I must please King Zeus, plotting heart. We're glad to say we're men of so on, of, of Greece, basically, is what he's saying. But since we chanced upon you, we're at your knees in hopes of a warm welcome, even a guest gift from you. Um, so we're suppliants at your mercy. And he says if he doesn't, Zeus will avenge his, uh, you know, their rights. And so the Cyclops says, stranger, he grumbled back from his brutal heart. You must be a fool, stranger, come from nowhere, telling me to fear the gods who avoid their wrath. We Cyclops never blink at Zeus or, you know, or any other uh, god. We, we got more force by far. I'd never spare you in fear of Zeus's hatred. But tell me, where did you moor your ship? So he wants to know the ship so he can destroy it, you know? And uh, I'd just like to know, he says. So so he laid his trap. Um, but Odysseus says, my ship? Poseidon, the god of the earthquake, uh, smashed my ship. So he says that his ship is destroyed. You know, he, he doesn't want the Cyclops to know they have a means of escape. And uh, and so uh, the Cyclops and, and reply that, not a word to reply, the ruthless brute uh, lurches out and uh, snatches two of his men at once, wrapping them on the ground, knocking them dead like pups. Their brains gushed out over the and soaked the floor ripped him limb from limb to fix his meal, and bolted him down like a mountain lion, left no scrap, devoured entrails, flesh and bones, marrow and all. We flung our, our arms up to Zeus, and we wept and cried aloud. Cyclops had stuffed his monstrous gut with human flesh, wishing it down with raw milk. He slept in his cave. And so then Odysseus starts thinking, you know, how, how can he? He starts to take out his sword, to stab him and kill the Cyclops. But then he smartly realizes if he kills them, they're going to be stuck in the cave. They'll die of, uh, you know, uh, hunger eventually. And uh, so, you know, they have to get out of the cave. So he has to come up with a plan. And then he notices the sheep, and apparently the sheep are huge and everything. So, and then he notices the, the, the club of the Cyclops made out of olive wood. And uh, so he, he said it was as tall as a mast of a ship of 20 oars, again, the sacred number 20 and so on. Mm. And so he tells him to chop off a fathom's length of it. And he sharpens it, the tip and then he has him uh, stick it in the fire to make it uh, hot and so on. And then uh, he picks out four men and with him it's five. And uh, and then he gets the Cyclops. When the Cyclops wakes up a bit, uh, he gets him to drink wine, and he gets him drunk, and then he falls asleep again. And then uh, Odysseus rallies his men, and so he stabs, suddenly stabs the uh, Cyclops, you know, with this giant pointed uh, pole, you might say, and everything, stake, 
straight into the monster's eye and rammed it hard. I drove it in, put all my weight, and bore it home. And so on the cyclops, eye sizzled at the stake, and then he loosed a hideous roar. The rock walls of the cave echoed around. The monster wrenched the spike from his eye and, and so on. Out came a geyser of blood. And then uh, he's, uh, you know, demanding to know the name of Odysseus. And Odysseus uh, says, my name is nobody, or sometimes it's translated as no man. And that was a clever because uh, apparently if you know a person's name, you can have some sort of control over them in Greek mythology. Um, And um, so uh, anyhow, uh, eventually, and I know we're getting here to the end, uh, Mm -hmm. he, um, the the Cyclops opens the, the giant stone door but he sits there knowing that the sheep will come out and he feels on the top of the back of each sheep to see if he can catch any of the uh, humans, you know, so he can uh, eat them and kill them, especially Odysseus. And um, so uh, he's, he's, he starts doing that, but um, he, he yells out to the other Cyclops and he tells them that he's been, uh, terribly uh, attacked, you know, uh, by, a, you know, a visitor. And, uh, and, and so the other Cyclops uh, says, well, who attacked you, basically? And he says, well, no one or no man attacked me. And that, that's very clever on the part of Odysseus because they yell back at him, uh, well, if no one or no man attacked you, then it must be the gods at play probably Zeus. And so they wander off, you know, they're not sympathetic to him and everything, which I, I thought that's another interesting thing here, you know? It's, part, a, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant strategy on, on uh, Odysseus's part. And so then uh, Odysseus can't hold back his ego. So he yells, uh, Tom's, he says, so Cyclops, no weak coward it was whose crew you bent to devour there in your cave. With your brute force, you filthy crimes came down on your own head. You shameless cannibal, daring to eat your guest in your own house. So Zeus and other gods have paid you back. And so uh, the monster is really, uh, you know, becomes, you know, just inflamed with that. And so Odysseus gets on a ship with his men when he's yelling at him like that. And so the Cyclops... Uh, raises up a gigantic stone and throws it at the ship. And it hits in front of the ship and washes it back towards the shore. And uh, and his men are just really afraid they're going to be destroyed by this giant throwing these gigantic molders. Um, and uh, uh, so anyhow, the, the Cyclops throws another stone, but uh, boulder, but this time it hits in back. So it's starting to you know, float the ship out to sea, you know, on a wave. And so uh, the Cyclops wants to know, you know, who he did it. And um, and so Odysseus uh, says, um, uh, identifies himself. He says, Cyclops, um, if any man on the face of the earth should ask you who blinded you, shamed you so, say Odysseus, raiders of cities. 
He's the one who gouged out your eye, Laertes' son who makes his home in Ithaca. And uh, so in other words, he's, Odysseus is a bragging and yelling to the Cyclops, and then the Cyclops yells at Poseidon. He's the son of Poseidon. And uh, his name, uh, the name of this particular Cyclops is Polyphemus. And uh, so he, he yells at Poseidon, prays to the god Poseidon, and uh, and asks that Poseidon, uh, uh, you know, says, Hear me, Poseidon, god of the sea blue mane who rocks the earth. Uh, if I'm really your son, uh, grant that Odysseus, raiders of cities, who makes his home in Ithaca, never reaches home. Or if he's fated to see his people once again reach his well-built house, in his own native country, let him come home late, come a broken man, all, all of his shipmates lost, alone in a stranger's ship, and let him find a world of pain at home. And it says, so he prayed, and the god of the sea blue, Maine, Poseidon heard his prayer, and the monsters, and then the monster hoists the, the boulder and, and throws it again, and so on. But then Odysseus tells his men to row hard, and they row on. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. It's his hubris once again. He signs his crime, which I think is, I always thought that scene was crazy. The fact that you would just, you're getting away. You not only give the guy your name, you give him your address and in modern terms, your telephone number. You know, right. it's uh, it's a crazy thing to do. All right. Well, let's, let's stop there. That's a good place to stop. Um, and we'll continue on, on our next podcast episode. So uh, let's have a round of applause for our guide to the Odyssey, Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. This is the 34 Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel. We are doing Classical Studies 101, the Odyssey, Chapter 9. We will be back for more soon. Thanks, and God bless. <laughs>